I'm now joined by Sean O'Hara, president of Pacer ETFs Distributors, who currently offers 46 ETFs, over $14 billion invested. And as it turns out, Pacer is actually the fastest growing issuer among the top 25 ETF firms this year. They've grown assets nearly 50% year to date, which if you think about the market environment we're in, that's a highly impressive feat. And Sean is now on the line with me from just outside Philadelphia. Sean, welcome back to the podcast. Thank, thanks, Nate. It's nice to be here. Appreciate what you said. It's been, uh, in spite of a difficult environment, it's been a, a pretty good year for us here at Pacer. So, Well, you know, it's funny. You may recall, so you joined me early last fall, and one of the first things we talked about was the growth of your ETF lineup. So you were around $9 billion at that time which was actually double the amount of assets since we had last spoke prior to that in 2020. And, you know, now here we are, Pacer is pushing $15 billion in assets. I I guess talk about the ride here over the past uh, few years, and especially this year. I I mean, you are the fastest growing ETF issuer right now. Yeah, you know, that's sort of, you know, if you took the year of COVID out, 2020, that's sort of been our trajectory. And, um, you know, it's easy if you have $100 million to double your assets to 200 But when you go from, you know, as you said, 5 to 10 which we did it sort of last year, and, and our goal is to get from 10 to 20 this year, that becomes more of a challenge. Um, I think um, if I were to attribute it to anything specific, the two things I would attribute it to is, number one, um, we spend an awful lot of time working with financial advisors. Uh, we have a very strong, uh, what we call a wholesaling effort, and we have 60-plus wholesalers across the country, and so that's a pretty big crew for a, a firm our size. But we believe that, you know, that the message that we're trying to deliver and the type of ETFs that we try to manufacture here that are our taglines being innovative, disruptive, and unique, um, that, that – sitting down with the financial advisor and, and ultimately helping them understand where it fits for their client in their portfolio is really important. And then the second thing is we have a fairly diverse offering. You know, we, we started with a bunch of trend-following strategies, which we call Trend Pilot, and they did fairly well. And I know we're going to talk about them a little bit later. But the real big winner this year has been our Cash Cows series, which we use free cash flow and free cash flow yield to screen for stocks. Um, and they've held up particularly well so far this year, uh, with the exception of last week. Um, you know, last week was kind of an interesting – it sort of felt to me, Nate, like, you know, we held held things off and were positive coming into last week in terms of performance on our large-cap U.S. Uh, cow series product, COWZ. And last week sort of felt like – I don't think it's really quite the end, but it felt like sort of that capitulation and everything goes. So – We've had terrific performance on on the cows across the board, and that certainly has helped. And we've launched a bunch of factor-based ETFs like low volatility and high beta rotation strategy. And we started there about a year and a half ago with about $100 million, and we're almost a billion today. So It's amazing. Yeah, no, I was going to say, for listeners who are not familiar, I mean, Pacer just recently celebrated its seven-year anniversary. Uh, So it's not like you've been around here for 30 years on the ETF side to already be at you know, approaching $15 billion is remarkable. Yeah, we're, we're really pleased. And we think, like I said, I think we can get to 20 by the end of this year uh, with, you know, with a little help from the market perhaps. Um, and then we'll see where we go from there. Then it gets, you know, really tough to continue to double. 
All right, so you mentioned the cash cow series of ETFs. Let's talk more uh, about those. This is your your largest ETF family, some seven, eight billion dollars in assets. That's led by the Pacer US Cash Cows 100 ETF that you mentioned, ticker COWZ. Um, you know, look, maybe using that as an example, explain the core investment approach with these ETFs. And, and then I'll add to that. I mean, I'd love to have you talk more about the importance of free cash flow, because I think about going back to, say, last year or 2020, a lot of the focus was on the future growth prospects of a company. It was all about potential. Now here we are. Investors want something tangible to, to, to hold on to. So I'd also love to have you explain why free cash flow is important. Yeah, so the COWS series, and in particular COWZ, uses free cash flow yield as a screen. So we take a broad index, in the case of COWS, the Russell 1000, and we screen for the 100 stocks in the Russell 1000, X financials and X companies that don't make profits, for the 100 stocks that have the highest free cash flow yield. And free cash flow yield is the free cash flow a company generates divided by its enterprise value, and enterprise value, not to be too technical, but it's the market cap plus the debt minus the cash. So it's the total purchase price of a company divided into its annual return in terms of free cash flow. And that creates a, a percentage or a yield. And the higher the free cash flow yield is, we believe the cheaper that stock is relative to other stocks in the index. And so it's sort of a newer way to think about traditional value investing you know, traditional value investing uses price to book. And in the world we live in today, where 90% of the stock market's value in terms of market cap is based on intangible assets, things you can't see, like, you know, think about tech names or healthcare names or brand-based names. It's hard to measure them on a, on a price to book basis because they don't really have physical assets. And free cash flow and free cash flow yield gets you there. And so we tend to own a different suite of names in our value series than traditional value, which would be overweight financials and energy all the time and utilities. Uh, we, we had a terrific return in 2021. We were up over 40%, so nearly double the market's return. We didn't own any energy in 2021 until the fourth quarter. And with the free cash flow growth in the energy sector, it's now become one of our bigger sector weightings. Um, but essentially what you're trying to do is you're trying to measure – how much you're paying in total for a stock and how much cash you're getting in return. And in a rising rate, rising inflationary environment, you have to discount future earnings. That's why growth is getting hurt so much today and why the overall stock market is getting hurt. There's almost an inverse relationship between rising rates and inflation and PE. So we started the year with multiples on the broad market at 30 times. They've now come down to like somewhere between 17 and 20 times. That's 100% driven by people discounting the future earnings I'm going to get as opposed to getting, paying attention to the current free cash flow that we're getting. And so I think we've been able to survive this downturn in the market pretty effectively because we're giving a current return in the terms of current free cash flow. And, then, and, and it tends to move you around from sector to sector based on what's going on sort of on a macro basis. So... Our, our big sector allocations are the, are the four big sectors that have done the best this year, but they, and there are allocations because they generate the most cash, which is healthcare, energy, materials, and staples. Um, now, that doesn't mean that we're wedded to those sectors or those names in those sectors. We obviously will follow the free cash flow. Um, and what, what's interesting is, is that technology was a big holding two years ago for us, and then now it's under 10% of the total portfolio. 
So free cash flow for investors who are worried about inflation and rising rates and how that affects the future earnings or the current economics of an individual company. The higher the free cash flow a company has, the better equipped they are to deal with rising interest rates because of their financing costs and rising inflation due to input costs. Sean, as investors think about their portfolio allocation overall, you, you made some excellent points there. But, of course, the, the backdrop to everything in the markets right now is rising rates and rising inflation. We saw the Fed hike rates, 75 basis points last week, trying to get inflation under control. You, you look at the markets right now, the S&P 500 is down, what, 22%, 23% year to date. Aggregate bonds are down 11%. Not much is working out, out there. Do you have any words of wisdom for uh, investors just in terms of overall portfolio construction or, or allocation? Yeah, be realistic. You know, we have this thing meant in our psyche called recency bias. You know, everybody is afraid that, you know, growth is going to bounce back. If inflation remains persistent and the Fed does what they say they're going to do, which hap- I happen to think is the wrong thing, I don't think we're we're having high inflation because we have so much cash flushing in the system or that the economy is red hot. I think we have high inflation for two reasons. One is that energy prices are high as a result of the big energy companies pulling back on their production because they view this current environment as unfriendly to fossil fuels. And when they do that, the price of oil goes up, the price of natural gas goes up, but the money that they would spend trying to develop new sources goes straight to the bottom line because they're reducing their capital expenditure. So pay attention. The market is telling you that energy is a a place that you should be thinking about allocating to, whereas two years ago we wouldn't have. We would have all wanted to be in growth. And then inflation is going to be, I think, a a persistent problem. Um, The conflict in Russia and Ukraine doesn't seem to be a big deal, like, to the average person you know, like, what, what does it really matter what they're doing over there? But the uh, amount of agricultural exports that typically come from that part of the world is somewhere between t- 7 to 10 percent of all of the, cr- the, the key critical inputs to, to, to traditional food-based products, X dairy and meat and, and poultry. And when you remove that supply from the market, even temporarily, you see prices rise there. So... And then you throw in the mess that's going on on the supply chain side, and it's still not getting fixed, and it probably won't get fit for a while. Be realistic, and so pay attention. Take what the market's giving you as opposed to remaining static and hoping that what worked uh, last year or for the last five years will continue to work. And so rebalance your portfolio to higher-quality names that generate a lot of cash that are in the right sectors with regard to what's going on from an economic backdrop. Backdrop. Scale back your growth a little bit until we get inflation and interest rates under under control because they'll continue, I think, to remain under pressure because growth investments, if everybody should understand, is we're paying for future dollars worth of earnings. And you have to discount those future dollars based on inflation and interest rates. If you're investing in companies that generate high current free cash flow, you're getting your dollars today and they don't get discounted. So pay attention to what the market's telling you react in your portfolio accordingly. Sean, just a few minutes left here. You mentioned the trend pilot series of ETFs earlier. Let's briefly touch on those. And it's interesting. You look at the market environment right now. These are doing exactly what they're supposed to do in taking some risk off the table. And for listeners who aren't familiar with these, 
These are seven ETFs, including the Pacer Trend Pilot U.S. Large Cap ETF, ticker PTLC. There's also a uh, U.S. Mid Cap version, PTMC. You have a NASDAQ 100 ETF, PTNQ, and then there are a couple of uh, international options. There's also a bond option. Um, but, but, Sean, I looked at the current positioning on these. It's mostly uh, risk-off across the board. Do you, you want to just uh, explain the basics here and, and maybe talk about how they're currently positioned? Yeah, so they're, they're, as you said, they're basically all risk off at the moment. So Trend Pilot, the, the large cap product PTLC, follows the S and P 500. When the S and P 500 is above its 200-day moving average, we'll own the S and P 500. When it falls below, we start to move the portfolio to Treasury bills, with the idea that we want to provide some risk management to the downside. We entered that phase earlier this year where the portfolio, based on the signal we look at, the relationship between the S&P and its moving average, indicated that we should be in T-bill. So I'm looking at, for example, the last one year's return on PTLC. It's up 3.5% and the S&P's down 11 And for advisors and for clients, having something like this in your portfolio um, does two things. One is it obviously manages the downside risk, as you just saw, you know, or heard with those numbers. But two is it makes it easier for us to not get so panicked. And so the financial advisors who are using PTLC in a portfolio are using it for a part of their equity exposure in the event that something like what's going on right now happens, where we start to go into a bear market cycle. Most investors emotionally for the first part of that decline in the bear market, can sort of hang in there and they say things like, well, you know, we'll buy the dip and we'll put a little But eventually things get so bad that we, our emotions take over. And having TrendPilot in the portfolio, we know with the PTLC that if the market continues to go down from here, we will not experience any of that decline. And if the market recovers, eventually we'll go back in and own the market. So TrendPilot has been a, a core part of our overall ETF offerings here at Pacer ETFs. And as you said, they've done exactly what they're designed to do. It's kind of funny, uh, you know, a year and a half or two years ago, people were questioning TrendPilot and thinking, why do I need stuff like that in my portfolio when we're in the midst of a bull market cycle? <laughs> uh, but we're getting taught today why it's so important to have something in your portfolio that manages your downside risk. And the easiest way for me to explain why people should be thinking about TrendPilot is two words, in case. In case this bear market gets worse than it already is. In case it's not a normal bear market, but it's one of those 50% decline type bear markets. If that's what happens, in case that happens, TrendPilot currently sitting in T-bills will not expose that part of that client's portfolio to any of that downside risk. And eventually the market will bottom and it could go back up. The eight most important words to investors with relation to equities is the advance is permanent. All declines are temporary. We just don't know how temporary this one's going to be. But sooner or later, TrendPilot will rotate back to stocks. But in the meantime, in case it gets really bad, there's a part of your portfolio that is is, is isolated and, and, and protected from that downside risk to the market. Fantastic description of those products. It's funny. I always like how uh, Bloomberg's Eric Balchunas describes these. So he calls these ETFs with airbags. I, I, I just love that. But uh, Sean, yeah. always enjoy visiting. Congratulations on all the success. I love seeing it. Thank you for joining me. Oh, thank you so much, Nate, for having me. We'd love to be on your show. That was Sean O'Hara, president of Pacer ETFs Distributors.